0: Well, we uh, have thoroughly enjoyed our time with you guys. It's been so much fun. You've made us feel right at home, feel welcome. Um, I like to joke around a lot, too. <laughs> Everybody's been joking around with me as well. So thank you. And, you know, it's a reminder, again, when you're with other truly believers in Christ Jesus, that love is there. That kindness is there, that joy is there, and hearing a little bit about. So thank you so much. Missy and I both said we've just really enjoyed our time here. And and because of that, there's a couple things as I'm always thinking about uh, what I'm going to preach or what I'm going to say, what it looks like, is before we talk about striving to walk in love, there are two things that I realized that have to be addressed. And so as I was, again, reading and studying and praying early this morning, Uh, the first thing that came to my mind is remind ourselves as we strive to walk in love. This is the presupposition, is the reminder that the heart is critical to life. It is the most common anthropological term in Scripture that denotes a person's sinner, both physical, emotional, intellectual, and even their moral activities. And remember this, the Lord tells Samuel when he looked at the sons of Jesse and thinks that one of them should be the king, he says this, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him for the Lord will see not as a man sees but man looks on the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart so as we talk about striving to walk in love we want to remind ourselves that we want to really do that with our heart attitude not just something that we think that we should do but something we should live by our disposition and our mental attitude and our all that goes with it, our intellectual and moral perspective. All right, so that's the first thing I really want you to go there as I was studying for that. The other thing is, is we will start by looking at James. And the reason we're going to go there, it's going to be pretty clear before we start into it. Um, the reason why we start by looking at James is because it's going to tell us what you can expect. What is he going to tell us? He says this, James 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you can counter various trials. Okay, my brothers and sisters, in this sin-soaked world that we live in, you will have trials. I can promise you that. It's going to come, and it's accelerating right now, all over. And so you have to consider all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance. So when we talk, when you're going to pick this up with striving in love, there's going to be challenges there, not only with your spouse or your children, but your friends, but people outside the church for you to strive in love. Knowing your faith will produce inter- endurance and let endurance have its perfect results so that you be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So as we look at this issue of striving in love, you have to remember that. These are our two presuppositions that's important as I was preparing and praying about that and asking the Lord for wisdom. Understand that the heart is critical, And also know this, that there's going to be challenges there, but if we endure what we're going to happen in that endurance of the challenge of being love and walking in love, guess what will happen? We will grow and people will be changed around us. So that's, that's your greatest hope, to be light and salt in this dim, dark world that we live in. So let's go look at this. Um, our propositional statement is this. We must develop an inherent quality of our mind and heart and character so that we would strive to walk in love. I added the mind and well, the heart as well because Scripture was so clear to me as I was thinking about that and praying about that and understanding what the heart looks like. So we look at our first issue. If we're going to have this passion, if we're going to strive, if we're going to really be God's people, We have to have this issue. Learn to develop the disposition of a servant. Whoa, I'm here for people to serve me. I gotta go serve them? What kind of deal is that? Yes. We serve other people. Simple things that you can do. I was at a grocery store one day and there was an older lady was trying to unload things in her car. And I said, here, let me help you Load the, load the things in your car. What, 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 what are you doing that for? Well, because I thought you need some help, and I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and he's a servant. And If I can serve you, that will bring me joy. And she looked at me and said, thank you. I taught my grandson something recently uh, that shows another example of it. I said, guys, uh, seven and eight, when you're going somewhere in a store or going somewhere, and there's a lady in front of you, open the door for her so that she can go first. That shows you're being a servant. Okay, Papa, we'll do it. All right. So sure enough, we go to a Walmart, we open the door, and there's a lady behind us, an older lady, and the boys open the door. She gets to the door, and the lady cries. cries. And she turns to the boys and she says, no one ever does that for me anymore. No one's careful and thoughtful for me like this. Thank you so much. I go in the Walmart with the boys. Papa, how come that lady was crying the whole time? (laughs) And I said, because your kindness overwhelmed her. You served her by opening the door. And part of it is because she has a hard time. It wasn't automatic door. She had a hard time opening the door. And she said that. So we want to make sure that we learn that disposition of a servant. That we regularly look at ways. As we look around each of us here or outside the church. How can we serve somebody? And if you do that. If that's part of your prayer. Guess what? (laughs) God's going to give you those opportunities. So we have to remind this. Our next point. As we are God's people and his servants, a servant is exclusively owned. The Lord Jesus Christ, it's, he is the king of kings in our lives. He's not something we just on Sunday, well, I just went to church on Sunday. Well, I read my Bible. No, it's more than that. We, he owns us. We are his children. And we should strive and strain to be obedient and honor him. And so we remind us if we're called to be servants of other people, that no matter how difficult it may be, we still remind ourselves that, Jesus, you own us. And because you own me, even though sometimes it's hard for me to do this for someone who's not very nice, but you own me. So, Lord, I want to honor you by doing what you call me to do. And when you do that, particularly for people that maybe weren't very nice or did something to you or else, and you remember them, to be, remind yourself that you can serve them, you can watch someone's change. And again, when I was hiking the trail, there was this person that was having a hard time with their backpack, and I said to them, it's not very far till we get to the shelter, how about I help carry that backpack for you? And this person I noticed earlier on the trail, they were just wearing one thing after another thing after another thing, and, and they looked at me, You trying to steal my backpack? No, I will walk with you. And for me to carry the backpack, I'll be glad to do that to the shelter because I can see that you looks like you sprained your ankle coming down the hill. And they said, okay. And so I took them to the shelter and helped them. And then guess what happened? Why did you do that for me? Because Jesus Christ is my Savior. And one of the great joys that we have is to be able to serve one another. And he said, I want to know more about Jesus then. I said, well, it's good because a lot of these shelters, the Gideons have put in a Bible there. I want you to go to the John, look in the big end appendix, the Gospel of John and read that. And when you read that, you'll learn about the greatest gift we've ever had. And that's Jesus Christ. And then and I said, can I pray for you? And you know, it's interesting, I didn't really think much about it. All I did was just help him carry his backpack down to the shelter. But, as he noted, and people will notice, when you serve somebody in our sin-soaked world, and everybody's all about themselves getting what they want, when they want, and how they want, and you see it all the time... I don't make a big deal about it, but when I am in California, I always remember this. The light turns green, and if I don't go quick, pretty fast, honk, honk. Okay, I'm getting ready to go. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, Everybody is on their own throne trying to do what they want, when they want, and how they want. But we are called to be servants. So that brings us to our next point. It's a reminder. A servant must be useful to their master. So, one of the ways that you can do that, it's the best way I found out, is that you pray every day when you start your day and you say, Lord, let me serve you this day. Give me that opportunity. Help me to open my eyes, and you'll be amazed at what God will do. And it's out of nowhere, something will come along, and everything else, and think, how could that happen? When I'm hiking this trail, it's 2,190 miles. And to meet somebody on a trail at one point in time that needed to be helped for something like that, how could you figure that out? But God did it. Exactly what he wanted to be there to help that person out. And it's like, wow. It just reminds you about it. And I know I said this before, but I have to remind myself every day. There are no autonomous atoms and there are no maverick molecules. God knows them all, and he does that. So one of the ways that you can be useful to our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, is to be a servant. And you can ask that to the Lord in your daily life. Lord, if there's someone that I can help today, please open my eyes to see that. And we need that, my brothers and sisters, it's true. Someone said a long ago, I wish wish, wish it was, but it's a reminder, either you're on the throne or Christ is on the throne. You have to decide that each day. By your actions, your deeds, what you think about, your response. And one of the ways that we makes it very clear is that we should be a servant. So, that brings us to our next point. We must be a deliberate theologian. You're thinking, what are you talking about? Pretty simple. If we're not in this book, my brothers and sisters, on a daily basis, you will not grow... You will not die to sin. You will only be about your own self. And one of the things that you want to do is you make sure that you lay out a study for the year. And when you finish that study, uh, you should think, Lord, what what, what does what something thing that I need to hold on to? Missy and I do that every try to do that every day. What she's studying, what I'm studying, we get together and saying, What did you learn and what did I learn? Because I want to know. This scripture, and the scripture is so clear, you know it, I've said it before, the truth sets us free. So you can imagine out there in the world we live in, they may think they have everything, but apart from this truth, they're in bondage. And so we don't have to be angry or frustrated with everything else, but we can have the greatest hope that we can to bring the truth to them. And God will give you that opportunity. If you pray about that every day, Lord, help me have a person that I can meet today, somewhere that I can share Christ with or pray for with. It's, it's, it's so exciting when you have that opportunity to do that as a servant. So you want to be a deliberate theologian, meaning you're in the book. I love my, my Carter study Bible. I like to read his notes. I like to read the footnotes. I like to study what he has to say. And then I want to make sure that I apply that. So now we have to know this. We know and must remember that God will equip us. Sometimes people say, well, I don't really understand that passage, or I didn't know that, or I can't. Well, you know what? Pray about that. And you have pastors here that can help you. Or, again, a good study Bible will help you. All right? So you want to make sure that if you have a struggle, if you're coming across something, and part of that reason my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not just that the Bible's just so confusing and complex. It's a simple reason why we don't understand it or get it, because our sinful disposition. There's some sin in our life, and when that word comes, we're, we're, it obscures it because we're not living that. And I can tell you, we all have certain areas of our life that are sinful we have to work on. My life was impatience. It was probably because my dad was a pilot in the Air Force. I was in the Air Force. Bombs on target. Go, make it happen. What are you waiting for? Go. And now when I see people and work with people, well, go. Read the book. Let's go. Make it happen. What are you waiting for? Christmas? Come on, you know. And that's wrong. I have to work really hard. Missy will tell you. I have to work really hard to be patient with people when they're studying or something or they ask me questions about things. And uh, I have to work on that. Everyone here, you probably know that. Your spouse can help you or you can pray about that. Everybody usually has some area of disposition that they know that they have to struggle with. And when that's there, get ready to work on that. Know this, as we said, remember that God will equip us to fight against that particular sin issue that you're primarily prone to. So our next area is... Knowledge that loved lived must be based on the word of God. I know you know that, and that's what you're about. You've all been so kind and gracious to Missy and I. I think it's because you're, you're, you're brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not just here at this church, or whatever. We talked, we've had a good time, we've joked around. Uh, some guys have given me some hugs on some things, and you know, <laughs> we've, Missy and I have really had a good time with you guys all. Thank you so much. But I do want to re- let you know when you're looking at this, it must be lived. As you've been bringing, as we brought the word of God and reminding you that your marriage has to live this way, here is what we looked at. We looked at 1 Corinthians 13 and what love is. My brothers and sisters in Christ, listen, this is important. When we get this word, guess what's going to happen? You now must live it. And now you will be attacked. It's going to come. Because you just have to understand that. The more we live for the Lord and seek and to serve him and what we're about, the enemy will attack us. And he's done that throughout scripture. And if you can't figure that out, look what he did with Jesus. Every time I read that, I never understand it. Teaching, feeding, raising from the dead. And for the Sadducees, the Pharisees and the scribes say, crucify him, crucify him guys are nuts what are you thinking he's demonstrated who he is and what he's done by what he's done but you can see that the more we live in truth in the word and strive to honor our lord and what we're going to do my brothers and sisters bingo the war will increase i'm as a dean of students i'm in contact with lots and lots of pastors all over the world and what they've been telling me, and they've been seeing it, is the war is increasing. Things have been, they've been kicked out of churches. People have argued to them about the truth. Um, more and more things are happening. And so you have to understand this as we live for the word, and abide by the word, that there's a, the possibility is increased that you will be more likely to be attacked in a sin-soaked world. So that brings us to our next area. Train to have the determination of an athlete. You have to train. And how do you do that? Well, you, you, you go to your pastor. You go to a Bible study. You read on your own. A good study Bible is very good. It will help you. It's well done. John MacArthur does a very good job on the exegesis of what the scriptures are. Not just coming up with his own ideas. For the marriages, we talked about that part. Sweethearts for a Lifetime by Wayne Mack. That's very important. You have to work on your marriage. Again, we've talked about this, had that determination. I can promise you it hasn't changed. Satan's plan has never changed. He attacks what? The first thing he does, he attacks the word. Did God say? Then he attacks marriage. And it's hard to believe I told people, I'm not making this up. Go look in Genesis. Go look in Genesis. When Adam sins and God confronts him, what does he do? This is classic in every situation, blame shifting. And I said, you can go read it, look at in Genesis yourself. It's stunning to think that Adam would say to God, well, it's your fault. You gave this woman to me. Holy mackerel. I, I, I read that every time. And I'm still thinking, that's amazing. I don't know why God didn't go, really? Okay. So much for Adam. Let's go to the next person, uh, the bees. Uh, let's go to Bob. Okay, so we'll go to Bob. <laughs> I mean, it's stunning to think, but that's one of the things that we should all know about in this battle, do we blame shift? Okay, so we can see it very clear what it looks like. So be ready for that. We know what the word of God says. It prepares us. It's our greatest hope. As my friend said to me, it is our sword. It is what cuts off the sin in our life. It sets us free. And this truth will get us out of our bondage. If you could imagine spiritually the people that don't know Christ and know his word. They walk through life like this. They do. And the things they say and what they're about. There's time that someone said something. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. But they're in bondage. So remember that we want to make sure that we have that determination of the athlete, and that brings us to our next area. We must strive and strain and press to advance to walk in love. It's going to require that. It's not going to be easy. And for those of you that came to the marriage conference, remember 1 Corinthians 13 it's critical to understand what love is because the world has twisted love so poorly People believe that. Well, love is getting what I want, what I want, how I want, and that's what I should be. That's not what love is. So you have to know that you have to kill that sin and you have to know for you to love, read 1 Corinthians 13 and and remind yourself, this is what I must do. Lord Jesus, please help me to live and love this way with my spouse, my children, and the people that I know. And I'll tell you, I will tell you, um, I have to work really hard when I see some parent abusing a child. I, I don't do good with that at all. I just can't stand it. I can remember as a major in the Air Force, I was in the commissary, which is the food place, and uh, maybe I said that story, but it still sticks with me. A little little girl, or about four or five, was running around and... Uh, you know, mom, or dad, was it dad? It was, no, it was the dad. He grabbed her, threw her down on the ground. Don't be running around. I told that already. She was crying, and I walked over there. I said, that is physical abuse. If I see that again, I will call the security police and report you. Yeah, but you don't understand. She's running around. She's not. That is an excuse. So I picked her up. I think your dad's trying to help you, and he's going to work on that need to forgive him. But I mean, that was (laughs) 20 some odd years ago and somehow it still sticks in my mind. That poor little, there's a poor little girl, about a four-year-old, I remember, was just mistreated so poorly. So you want to ask yourself all the time, are you walking in love? And is that love that you are walking in that love that you're walking in, is it based on the word, which would be 1 Corinthians 13? Anything less than that is not going to happen. And knowing that the walk and the love that 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, it will cause you to strive, which means it's not going to be easy. There will be a strain on you, especially when someone responds in a, in a poor way. And it will cause you to press, keep, keep working, keep pressing, keep looking at keep seeing that, keep pressing. Don't give up. Don't bend, bow, or budge. Keep pressing and ask the Lord to forgive you. And you can ask the Lord to give you strength. And I believe that he'll make that very clear, to walk in love. And that brings us to the next issue. We must not leave anything behind. Whoa, that's an interesting thought. To be people that love Jesus Christ you want what way of looking at that is you can ask the lord lord there's areas in my life that's sinful disobedient not honoring you please help me see that because one of the things that scripture will teach you about sin is it hides itself you may not be aware of some of the things that you do and so the people that love you can care for you might say you know a lot of times when you do this, that, or other, I think that's not the best way you might want to think about. What gives you the right to say that to me? I don't deserve that. What are you thinking? Oh, we need to be able to have. <laughs> I think that's funny, too. I agree with you. <laughs> I do love the little people. Um, but we have to remind ourselves all the time that there could be areas in our life that, A, we're not aware of because sin can be blinding. And B, when someone that really cares for you and loves you, then it's an opportunity to examine that particular life and ask the Lord to help you. And so we have to do that. Um, and so I'm very gracious. have been married 44 years to this wonderful woman. She's very patient and kind to me. And uh, I, there are some things that she will let me know I don't, I'm not aware of. So... You might want to tell yourself that all the time, that if we are really going to be an honor to our Lord, there could be sinful dispositions in our life that we may not know. You can also have dear friends in Christ that may come to you. Do it the right way. Look at the right, remember, it's the right moment, the right time. But knowing that that will help us to grow. And that's what we all want to do. You guys up the top, you guys are so tall up there, so you must be growing and uh, you can help us low people down here. That would be great. So, uh, uh, but uh, just remind yourself and anything else that there, there are things in our lives as we advance and we move along, there are tendencies to leave things behind. And for us to continually grow, we can ask the Lord to show us that. And again, if you want to examine that, go to back to 1 Corinthians 13 and look at the issue of what really love looks like. Okay. We'll look at this and we'll finish up from Second John 1 through 6. We need to understand that God's love cannot be taken away. You might think that it's gone. Maybe there's trials or tribulations or hardships or difficulties in your life. It snatched his love from us, but it's not true. As believers, you know this. We are promised the constant presence of the Holy Spirit. We are promised his love, just as our salvation is assured through Jesus one time sacrifice for all, demonstrating God's abiding love. John makes it very clear in John, Second John, one six. He says, "And this is love that we walk according to His commandments." And this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. It's fascinating if you want to think about that. This the nineteen times the word "walk" is used, and it's not sitting. It's not sleeping. Well, here's the other thing too that's important. It's not running. is you're desiring to know Christ and everything else. No, it's walking faithfully each day, putting things behind, putting things on and continually at a nice pace to continually seek the Lord and to walk and move forward. And so you can ask yourself that each day as you're looking at your love for Christ and for others, is that something that I've sat down on? Or that's something that something I run, stop, run, stop? Or is that something I just walk every day and look at my life and what I need to do and honor the Lord and love Him? And I believe if you pray those things, then God will show you areas that you can walk in love. And again, having done this so many times, there's 541 verses about love, what love is, And you know that God wants us, if we name the name of Jesus Christ, he wants us to be the light and salt and loving. And I'm just telling you, my brothers and sisters, you know this. We're seeing evil advance in this world all over. I've talked to people in other countries and they're seeing the same thing. So evil's advancing. So we have to put on our armor, Ephesians 6, and pray. And as we advance... We have to remember to walk in love. And I'm going to close our time together by praying for us all here, okay? So please join me in prayer. Dear Father, we know the challenge before us. We know that the sin-soaked world and the Bible says as sparks fly upward so man was prone into sin. But Lord, we want to honor you. We love you, Jesus. Jesus. We want to have that determination to strive and strain and press to walk in love and we know it's it's not easy and you told Samuel very clearly that people look at the outside but Jesus you look at our heart and we pray Lord that as we live in this world and as we walk in this world we pray that there would be a determination on our part to walk in love and thank you Lord for everybody here. May we walk in love and we pray in Christ's name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Scripture quotations taken from the New American Standard Bible. Copyright by the Lockman Foundation.